good is this? How good, people, is the weather? Who loves spring? I love spring. There's just something about this season. It brings life. People come out of there being a hermit thing over winter. We wear different clothes. I have a personal testimony about spring that I'm very excited about. Uh, a number, I don't, during winter maybe, I shared about my fiddle leaf fig. I don't know if anyone heard that, but I had this, someone gifted me a fiddle leaf fig. So kind of them. It was beautiful, lush with leaves. The problem was they gave it to me. And one by one, all the leaves fell off. And I was quite distraught because it was a gift and I couldn't quite work out what I was doing wrong other than that it was a fiddly plant. And so I sought expert help on it. And the expert help said, prune it savagely. I was like, this makes no sense to me. So I did. I pruned it savagely. And for months and months and months, I've seen three dry sticks sticking out of my pot. And I have wondered, am I overwatering it? Did I over-fertilize it? Is it actually dead? And I am pleased to report that now spring is here. It is lush with leaves. And I feel like I could have a career as a horticulturalist. I so could not. But I love spring. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Chris and myself, Chris is actually still on leave at the moment, so, you know, try not to be too jealous. But he's on leave at the moment. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we took a couple of days, a few days, at the coast, which was amazing. I love the beach. The beach to me is my happy place. There's just something about the vastness of the ocean. There's something about, I don't know, something about it that I just find it so soul-restoring and relaxing. And so we got down there, and my favourite thing to do is walk on the beach in the morning, you know, and you put your feet in the waves. And, and we were staying at Burley, and we had this amazing apartment that had, like, amazing views on the 15th floor across the whole of the coastline. And I felt like I could sit up there and see the whole world going by at my feet. It was amazing. And the first day I was there, I got out and I walked. And because it's Burley, there are strategically placed coffee shops all along the way. So you can grab a coffee and you can sit. And I watched the surfers and, you know, walked and enjoyed the sun on my face. And it was beautiful. Second day I was walking, I noticed that they had these community Tai Chi classes and um, yoga classes. I was like, what an awesome idea. And it was just in the park underneath where I was sitting. So I'm like, I am going to do that. I'm going to, while I'm here, I'm going to engage in that. That's going to be awesome. And second day I walked, it was great. And we went to the beach and Chris made me swim and it was freezing, but the sand was warm and it's all about the experience. I want to participate. It was great. Third day, did the same. It was awesome. And then the third night I went out and had too much to eat and stayed up too late. And then the fourth day I was like, you know what? I'm a little tired. I'm just going to sit on my balcony this morning and just watch everybody else do it. And so it was nice. I sat in the sun and watched everybody. And it was nice. Had a great day. Next day, thought, hmm, I think I might just sit on my balcony today because it's a lot less effort. And maybe I'll just send Chris down for a coffee while he goes for his walk. And I'll just sit on the balcony and just, it's very enjoyable watching everybody do their little Tai Chi and yoga classes down there. And I can just sit and watch them. And feel like I'm participating, but not really. And then the last day, I had this realisation. I was sitting in the lounge chair that I had dragged out of the lounge room so that I could be more comfortable in my spectating position. And I realised that somehow I'd allowed myself to move to being a spectator in my holiday and not a participant. I don't like that. 
I liked the realization, but I don't like that. I don't like that I had missed. And I'm not saying, okay, run yourself ragged until you're exhausted and come back from your holiday. But I knew in my own heart that something had shifted and that I was no longer participating in my holiday, just observing other people. It's much easier to observe other people running on the beach than to run on the beach yourself. I felt way more flexible watching the people doing yoga from my balcony than I probably would have felt if I was down there doing it. But I had somehow made a shift to being a spectator in my life. And life, I'm convinced, is not a spectator sport. It isn't. I have a deep, deep conviction that life is to be lived, not endured, that we're here to live, not to exist. I have a deep conviction. We only get one go at this thing called life, one go. It's not a dress rehearsal. This is it. And somehow I had allowed myself in that moment, I looked back over the past few months and I thought, this has been a gradual thing for me. I've been moving from participating into spectating in my life. And I determined a long time ago that I would be an active participant in my life. That's me. If you know me, I want to be in the middle of it. When we do pack-ups from sisterhood, we put Aberon and the girls do these great dances. I am terrible and I get puffed really quickly, but I am determined to participate in my life. And I determined that I would, a long time ago, that I would not just live the length of my days, but I would explore the width, the depth, and the height as well. I want to be able to get to the end of my life and say, wow, I lived. I lived. John 10.10 in the Passion Translation says this, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. So Jesus came that we would have everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. So what happened to me? I just allowed myself to gradually slip from being a participant in my life to a spectator in my life. I didn't get up one day and decide, I'm just going to spectate my life. I just took small steps and stopped participating and stopped leaning in. And it was a gradual thing. And I think some of it is a flow on from the current season that we find ourselves in with the global pandemic. I really do. I think some of it is that. Definitely some of it is that. And, you know, the, the screen culture that we've had to adapt to. And, you know, I know we have been so, so blessed, particularly in Toowoomba, because it doesn't seem that, that the virus can make it quite up the range, which is awesome. Sorry if you live in the Lockyer Valley or anywhere else. But we have been so blessed. But I'm still in Zoom meetings with people who are locked down. I'm still, you know, having to do that a couple of, a few weeks ago, I was in a very important Zoom meeting. And honestly, I honestly, please don't judge me on this. But if an insect crawls across my screen, it has my attention. The Zoom meeting, not so much. And it was a really important one, and I had prepared my little bit, and I gave my little bit, and I could not tell you, if you held a gun to my head, I could not tell you what anybody else said. Because I just was spectating the rest of the meeting. I wasn't actually participating in it. Please don't judge me. Maybe you've done the same. I know that, you know, our students, our uni students in particular, I've talked to at various times and they're doing Zoom classes and Zoom lectures and, 
And I'm not saying it's um, not a huge bonus to have technology. I, I could not imagine what this season would look like if we didn't have that technology. But like anything, we have to manage it. And it's so easy to become disengaged. Now, I know none of you will have done this, but in larger meetings that I've been in on Zoom, I've actually turned my camera off and potentially been doing other things. Totally disengaged. But there, I'm here. I'm not really there. I'm just there in, in per, not, not in person. And so you can move to being a spectator rather than a participant. I think social media has enabled us on a whole new level to be spectators in other people's lives. Who likes a good stalk on social media? Oh, okay, there's three honest people here. Four, five, yes. I love a good stalk on social media. I hate it when people are private. Sorry if you are. And I have to actually add them as a friend so that I can stalk their lives and then unfriend them so I can move on with mine. You've all done it. Maybe not. Um, you know, we can look at what they're doing. What are other people doing? <laughs> what are they wearing? That's always good enough for me. What are they wearing? What are they wearing? I'm not very good at putting outfits together, so I look at what other people are wearing. Where they're going, if they're going anywhere. Um, what advice they're giving. I need to find out how to do this. What advice they're giving. All the while, while we're sitting with our lives on hold, <laughs> scrolling through other people's highlight reels. I'm talking to myself. I'm not having a go at you. I even think of church online. You know, when we first had to do church online, and pivot to do that in the season. I remember how fun it was and how novel it was. I had my first Mother's Day ever at home where we could just kind of be at home and do Mother's Day and have the family over and it wasn't like preach, preach and race home and try and do everything. It was so novel to sit in our lounge rooms and still be able to connect and experience church life. And at the time, it was the only option and it was really, really convenient. And I'm not saying that it's not valuable. I love that it's been something that we've added and it's opened so many avenues to people to be able to come and be part of church life. If you're sick, we've noticed that if people are sick or they're away, they'll still join us online, which is amazing. And we've worked really hard to, to make that experience not just a spectator sport, but actually with our online hosts and our online platform, you can actually converse, you can join a life group, you can meet people, you can comment, you can encourage. And so if you're using that platform, please do that. But I'd have to say, I found it hard in this last little season to feel the same about life as I did pre-pandemic, if I'm honest. Because, you know, when we started this little journey, it was like, I can remember, September, it'll be over, March that was, September, we'll be out of this. Then it was like, hopefully we'll be out of this by Christmas. And here we are now, less than 100 days till Christmas the following year. And we still probably, as much as there are roadmaps being given and whatever, we're still probably not quite sure what life is going to look like outside of our current reality. So I've found that life, if I'm being really honest, can be a little bit blah. It's a bit blah. And the buzzword of 2021 is languishing. You know, we've talked a lot about over this last little season, you would have seen a lot about mental health during this season, and people do. People have become depressed, but as I looked more at languishing, I feel like the vast majority of people are languishing. Languishing. So languishing is the opposite of flourishing, which is what Jesus came that we might do. Flourish. It's when you 
Flourishing is when you feel connected and purposeful. Languishing is when you feel a bit lacklustre and disconnected and a bit meh about life. But you're not in notable distress. It's just like, eh, whatever. And languishing affects our decisions, our behaviours and our emotions towards ourselves, others and the world. It's the, eh, can't be bothered response. It's me on holidays. Eh, just going to sit up here and watch other people do yoga and tai chi. I'm going to watch other people run on the beach. It's much easier. I can't be bothered with this. I don't have the energy for this. And I think we're living in a constant state of uncertainty. You know, we've spent the last year and a half hesitant to make, cha- to make changes or plans because things can change so quickly. When we were going to the coast a couple of weeks ago, it got to Friday, and we were just anxiously watching the COVID case numbers in Queensland because it's like, what if it locks down? I don't want to be locked down. What should we do? Should we cancel? Should we not cancel? Decisions that before we didn't even have to consider. I'm going to the coast, so I'd go to the coast. We didn't have to consider this. And we've all made holiday plans that have been cancelled. Well, holidays are one thing. I look at at Jaden and Steph, and they married a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and because of the lockdown, Steph's parents couldn't even be at their first daughter's wedding. Huge. That's huge. It was huge. And they got on with it, and they got married, and we used technology, and it was all good. But, you know, there are this story after story. I think of Sarah down the back, you know, her, I think of her sister, she has a sister in Sydney who has gotten married last lockdown, so her dad missed walking down the aisle and the family missed being there and they're very close family. She's had a baby since and they've still not been able to be down. This is such, who would have ever thought we would be living here? Who would have ever thought? So it's no, I'm not saying there's no reason to feel that way. And I think what happens is we lower our expectations so we can avoid disappointment. So even going to my holiday, I was like, well, I'd love to go to the beach, but if it doesn't happen, eh, eh. And I think we get it. I get it. I think we all get it. Do you get it? But I think this as well. I think realisation and identification of what's going on is just one step. We can understand it. We can realise it. We can give mental assent to it and go, this is why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. But if we don't take the next step, which is action, if we don't execute something different to make a change, then we're just going to sit in the realisation of it and it's just going to feel, eh, really? And I'm saying that and I know as I'm saying that, people are sitting here going, oh, no, she's going to ask me to do something and I just feel, eh. And I get it. But let me tell you, it is way better to move back towards being a participant in your life in this season and it's so possible. And you know me, I'm very practical. And it's very simple. If it's not simple and practical, I'm not doing it. So here are some really three, really simple things that you can do that are not going to require a lot of effort that I feel like are going to help you shake off that languishing feeling and move back into being a participant in your life. Are you ready? Excellent. Three of us, four of us are ready. Okay, number one, focus on what you can do. So simple. I told you it would be simple. Focus on what you can do. Sure, there are things that we can't do right now. It's hard to plan anything. But we can't afford to lose the joy of the things we can do because of the things we can't. Do you want me to say that again? We don't to try not to lose the joy of the things we can do because we're focused on the things that we can't. 
And so we have to be able to change our narrative, the way that we speak about it, and our perspective, the way that we see it. Because the way that we see things becomes the way that we speak about things, and the way that we speak about things becomes the way that we experience things. So I want to look at a Bible character this morning in Luke 19, 1 to 10. And maybe I identify with this particular Bible character. We'll just see. I want to talk about Zacchaeus this morning. Zacchaeus was a man of short stature. So I kind of relate to the issues that he faced in life. So picking it up at verse 1 to 10. Media don't have this, so don't panic if you don't see it behind me. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus had to pass through Jericho. There lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus who supervised all the tax collectors. He was very eager to see Jesus and kept trying to get a look at him through the massive crowd. Since Zacchaeus was a short man and couldn't see over the heads of people, now this is where I relate, because when I stand, I stood the other day between these two, this one and his brother, Lucas boys, who are massive. And I'm like, honestly, felt like a midget. And anybody who is slightly short of stature in this room, and you do not need to indicate that to me, you know what it's like when you're in a crowd. If you can't find a gap, you can't see. We've all been to the movies, shorter stature people, and been like, excellent seat. And then someone, like Sam, generally wearing a large hat, comes and sits like that, there we go, comes and sits in front of you and you're doomed to watch it like this or sit on your feet. So I get where Zacchaeus was at. Okay, let's pick the story back up. Since Zacchaeus was a short man and couldn't see over the heads of people, he ran on ahead of everyone and climbed up a blossoming fig tree to get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. When Jesus got to that place, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry on down for I must stay at your house today. So he scurried down the tree, who loves that word, scurried, scurried down the tree and found himself face to face with Jesus. As Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained, you're always going to have your knockers, people. Look at this. Of all the people to have dinner with, he's going to eat in the house of a crook. Zacchaeus was amazed over his gracious visit to his home and joyously welcomed Jesus. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, half that I own, I will give to the poor. And Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay them back four times as much as I stole. And Jesus said to him, your repentance shows that today life has come to you and your household and that you are a true son of Abraham, that son of man has come to seek out and give life to those who are lost. I love Zacchaeus. I, I had, had to have a little look at what a sycamore tree looked like because I wanted to actually be able to relate better. And a sycamore tree is actually huge, but it has very low branches, which is why he could scurry up and scurry down, just so you know. I love this about Zacchaeus. He was eager to see him, but his perspective of what was going on was limited by his short stature. He could only see, he was trying to see through. Potentially, as a short person, you could look through people's legs. But still, it's going to be a, not a great perspective. And he, he couldn't see through the crowd, so he ran ahead. And I find this interesting. If he ran ahead of the crowd, it would make sense that he was then in the front and would have been able to see. But he didn't want to just see Jesus. He, I believe that Zacchaeus wanted a different 
perspective. So he climbed the tree so that he would not only be able to see Jesus coming, but see all that was going on. And remember, he didn't do this. Sometimes I think people think, oh, he did that so Jesus would see him. But this, this tree was in blossom, which means it had leaves and flowers. This is not a stick tree like my fiddle leaf fig was a little while ago. It's actually a tree that is covered in leaves and flowers. And so he was probably quite hidden up there. And he wanted a larger perspective. So he climbed the tree so he had a bird's eye view. He didn't focus on what he couldn't do. He didn't go, well, I can't really see, so I guess I'm going to miss out. He actually was proactive enough to know, well, I can't see, so I can scurry up that tree. And this action, which I'm almost certain he thought would go unnoticed, literally changed his life. Small steps, but it opened up to an encounter and an invitation that changed his life. And I would say his family's life, his work life, his whole life. A life filled with possibility and hope, a can-do life. Just by not being limited by what he couldn't do, but being open enough to see what he could do was life-changing. So what does it look like in our present season? It looks like this. Do what you can where you can. At home, if you're at home, be present. I know this season is a bit blare and there's lots of things going on and I look across this room and I know there are, there are things happening that can drain our joy and make it difficult to engage with life. And we get home and, you know, maybe you get your phone out and start scrolling or maybe you're into your next Netflix series and you, you're present in that. But can I encourage you when you get home, be present, be involved, be encouraging. You know, Chris has talked the last couple of few weeks about, oh, several weeks, about vision. And, you know, he's talked about, it's about vision. Just have vision for your life. Have vision for your front yard. Have vision for, for what you're doing. And, you know, some people go, well, you know, just I don't have the money to rearrange. I don't have the money to, to, to do that right now, to revision my front yard. I'll tell you what you can do. The cost no money at all. You can actually rearrange furniture. I do that all the time. My family drives them nuts because when they try and navigate the house at night, they run into things that weren't there when they went to bed. But I tell you what, that small thing that I can do makes me feel so much fresher about my house and about my life. One small change. Paint a wall. Weed your garden. At work, be determined to be positive, generous in what you say and what you do. Go, and there's a lot of negativity, there's a lot of blah, there's a lot of languishing around right now. We are the life bringers. We have been given life. The overflow that Jesus talks about in John 10, 10, part B, the overflow is not for us, it's actually for others. And so the life that we have been given is meant to overflow, not to make a mess, but to impact others. Be generous in what you say and what you do. Try and head off the negative conversations because you know what? We have hope. Be life-giving. People are languishing out there. And we have life to the full till it overflows. And we've got to let it overflow. And I, you know, I, I feel for people in this season who are, are on a point in their faith journey where they don't have that secure, firm foundation, that anchor to the soul, that hope, that steadfast anchor to our soul that in the storm of life, as much as we might get spun around, as much as the waves might come over our little boat, when the storm passes, we've still anchored 
in life, ready to move forward. And we have that and we should bring that and give that to others. At church, be determined to be a participant, not a spectator. Honestly, it's so much better when people lean in and use their voice and be encouraging and clap for our worship team. It's so much better for them. It's so much more encouraging. It's such a small part that we play because we're not spectators in this. This is not just about Sunday and the building. This is about bringing life and hope and joy. Lean in. Be vocal. A couple of weeks ago, I was so, and I'm not, please, I'm not having a go at you. I was so dismayed because I started clapping because it was an excellent song. And at 57 years of age, if I can clap, anyone can clap. Seriously. If I can be excited, I'm not excited because I'm the pastor. I'm excited because it's exciting. I'm excited because it's life-giving. And it's so simple to participate. You don't have to be able to form a sermon. You don't have to do anything except maybe love people, love Jesus, and open your mouth or clap your hands or do something, move a little bit to show me that you're alive. Enough said? Okay. Second thing, we're going to move to the next couple really quickly. Next thing that we can do that's very simple is to find joy in the moment. Now, I have a little clip that I want us to see. Are we ready? Mr. Grumpy Gills. When life gets you down, you know what you got to do? I don't want to know what you got to do. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Okay, so it freezes there, which is quite opportune, really, because it goes on. She just keeps going, just keep swimming. La, 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 la. I love that. Everybody needs a dory in their life. Because I think we have a choice. We can be old mate who's sitting on the rock, Mr. Grumpy Pants, or we can be dory. I love dory. Honestly, la, 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 la. They're in the middle of nowhere. They're lost. And all of a sudden, dory is like, la, 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 la. We can all do that. No matter what your season in life is, you can be dory. La, 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 la. That's, I want that to stick in your head. When you leave here today, I want you to be going out going, la, 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 la. Oh, damn her. Because even little things like that bring joy into the moment. We can, or it's just a choice. You can be on the rock, Mr. Grumpy Pants, or you can be Dory. Determined to find joy. And this season, more than any season, we have to keep swimming. And if we have to keep swimming, we may as well be singing, la, 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 while we do it. Because we can, people. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Let joy be your continual feast, which means what? It is out there for us. If it's our continual feast, then that means it is always there for us to encounter. And I don't know about you, but I would rather live life happy than not. I don't like grumpy. I like happy. And I choose to have joy because joy is powerful. I love joy. I love it because it spreads. Honestly, you tell me if you went into your office this week and went, la, 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 people wouldn't be like, well, they would think you're a lunatic, but it would make them laugh. And the joy that you have, that life that overflows, would be impacting. It's a gift. Joy is a gift not for ourselves only, but for others as well. It changes the way you look and feel about life. And joy is never far away. So my encouragement to you as far as joy goes, if you are watching a depressing, 
Netflix series. I'm not up Netflix or Stan or Prime Video or whatever else there is out there. If you are watching a series that is just sucking the life out of you, stop it. Find something funny. Find something that's going to bring you joy. Hang around with joyful people. Find someone. Find someone joyful to hang around with. And what was, it? what was the point? It was find joy. Find joy in this season. Last thing, really quickly, is trust God. We need to trust God. Jeremiah 31, 25 says, For I will fully satisfy the weary soul, and I replenish every languishing and sorrowful person. If you feel like in this season you are weary, many of us do, you are languishing or potentially sorrowful for things that you haven't been able to do, here's God's word for you. I will fully satisfy you and I will replenish every languishing and sorrowful person. In this season where it's so easy to fall into the can't be bothered, what's the point? When sitting back in life and becoming a spectator seems appealing like it was on my holidays. When we can't see what the future looks like even in a few days' time. I think we tend to fool ourselves into thinking that somehow before all this, we were actually in control. And we actually never were. Yeah, we had some ability to make plans and execute them. But I tell you what, my confidence is not in what I can plan and what I can do and the way that I can live my life. It's actually in the way that God is always faithful and always there. He knows the beginning from the end. His purpose for me is good. He sees my life. He meets me right where I'm at. He gives me purpose and joy and life. And we can trust Him because He knows the beginning from the end. And in this season that is, you know, it is. It's disappointing at times. It's tough. It's hard to feel like you're out of control. We have this hope. We have this faith. We have this incredible God who sees from the beginning to the end. I feel like He cheers us on. I feel like he says, it's okay, you're going to get through this. We can actually trust God, not just to get through this, but to come through it flourishing, to come through it with vision and passion and purpose and ready to take on the next season, no matter what it looks like. And I think sometimes it's good for us to understand that we're not in control. I'm actually okay with that because sometimes when I take control, I make a really big mess of it. But whenever I let God be in control, whenever I trust Him for my every step, for my every moment, for my every decision, I kind of find out it might take a bit longer, but it always works out better. Okay, so life. Are you okay? Is a spectator sport. Is a spectator sport. If you feel like you are languishing in a sea of uncertainty, I hope today that you can take away from this, that you focus on what you can do, no matter how small it is. Go home, rearrange your room. Focus on what you can do. Find joy in the moments. La, 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 la. Find joy, be Dory, and trust God. Why don't we stand together today? I hope that was encouraging for you. hope it was. Lord, I just thank you today for your word. I thank you, Lord. I just feel this morning that... Um, You've gently gone around this, this room and, and to anyone listening to my voice and you've ever so gently put your little hand under their chin and we've lifted our eyes out of this season. I thank you this morning that we would 
shake off that sense of blah and languishing and that we would fully engage and participate in life. Lord, I pray that as as we've talked about this this morning, that, that moments would have come up in our minds where we've gone, oh, that's me. I'm spectating in that area in my life and I need to re-engage. I thank you, Lord, that we would go out of here not just knowing that it's not just about us, but that overflow is meant to bring light and life and hope to the world. So I pray, Lord, you have spoken encouragement to our souls today in Jesus' name. And as we finish today, you know, maybe you're here and you're new to this faith journey and you don't kind of have that yet assurance that you can fully trust God. You can fully give your life over and go, okay, I know he's in control and have that steadfast anchor. If that's you today, can I just encourage you? It's a really, really simple thing. God made it so uncomplicated. It's as simple as just offering a small heartfelt prayer and saying, Jesus, I really need you in my life. Come in, help me, guide me, be with me. And, you know, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, Sarah is going to come and give you some um, steps for your next steps if that's you. But go out into this week, shake off the languishing and be determined to be a participant in life. Thanks, Sarah.